Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan. And here we draw on my conversations with experts on 9 to Noon to help you navigate family life. Parenting children who struggle with underdeveloped executive skills, kids who are chaotic, disorganised, last minute, forgetful, dreamy, inattentive and impulsive. Children who find living an organised life extremely demanding. Our guest is education and parenting consultant Joseph Dreesen. Hello Joseph. Hi, Catherine. Nice to talk with you. We begin. I, I to... share. I, I share your uh, preferences for astronomy. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs any more encouragement, do they? Uh, we began talking about this topic last time you were on Nine yes. to Noon, but we were yes. curtailed. And I know it's yeah. of great interest to people. Can we pick up? Uh, do we want to just recap briefly on where we started and, yeah, and then just, move forward? Yeah, we just want to recap. What we're we trying to say here is that. Um, uh, uh, the ability to organize yourself is on a spectrum. Some people are very good, some people aren't so good, and some people are, are really poor at it. And some uh, children stay like that when they're adults. They find it really hard. And the studies done actually realize that it's to do with a neurological ability to kind of control your impulses and to live in the future and the past and to travel a journey along that past towards the future. And some people can't do that. They find it really hard. Some children just live in the moment. They react spontaneously, impulsively to whatever. And when they're getting their shoes to go to school, they dawdle and they start looking at something else. And, and you become exasperated as a parent. But the research shows that actually these children can't help it because their brain is designed to live in the present. And and, and you might say, well, that's ridiculous. You know, we should all be really nicely uh, be able to plant properly. But if you go back, say, 100,000 years on the plains of Africa, for some people, it would be really useful to live in the present, not to have a plan, not to think what they're doing, but actually be hyper alert for any threat, any danger, or any opportunistic hunting going on. And so people with these handicaps, inverted commas, in our present very structured society might actually thrive in certain different situations. And even today, for example, a salesperson who is who's making lots of sale calls and, and, and goes off on a tangent and picks up a tip and, and, and backs off from a certain thing. And it seems chaotic, but actually in some ways it's very efficient. So what I'm saying is parents need to realize that they will have children just like some children are super athletic and some children are hopeless. They can't organize, they can't do any sport. Some children are massively musical and some children are just completely not musical. Some children have difficulties with this issue of planning. And, and, and the sad part is that the harder they try and plan, the more, the more their brain shuts down. And, 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 and so they might make a list of five things, but, but, Reading through that list shuts their brain down, 
and they they give up. They go, well, I don't even know, you know, what what's part of the list I should do now. I can't prioritize. They get anxious, so they just forget the list and just live in the present and hope by the end of the day everything is done. So uh, that's what I'm trying to say. That there's a whole spectrum, and you can coach children. You can help them at the extreme end of the spectrum. It's it's called a disorder, attention deficit disorder, and also attention hyper deficit, hyperactivity deficit disorder, which I thought we might talk about next time. But I thought now maybe we want to react to what I've said so far and then we can talk about parenting, coaching their children. I suppose the question for a parent is where is my child on that continuum and therefore what do I need to do? And what's the understanding you want people to learn? Well, the key is that most of us have an intuitive scale in our head of what the age-appropriate self-management should be like so we understand a baby can't self-manage at all that a little toddler is very impulsive and needs lots of scaffolding and that a five-year-old gets better and a seven-year-old is pretty good and a 12-year-old is much better still etc so what the parents should look at is to say to themselves what would the average five-year-old be able to cope with and and is my child doing that and if they're not is it interfering with their well-being and their progress in our family. That's the key thing. Do you think, you know, if you say a baby can't, can't keep a diary and it's interfering with the well-being of my family, well, look in the mirror and think about your own expectations. It's ridiculous. But if you have a five-year-old or an eight-year-old who is still not doing it and you think it's really quite interfering with them and me and us, that should be the big signal. What are some of the mistakes people will make before we get through how they can yeah. approach things. Yeah. What are some of the mistakes they make? Do they sometimes see it as a discipline issue? Or, yeah. You know, yeah, that's a, 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 a behavior yeah. issue. Yeah, that's a wonderful comment because it's sad to say that a number of these children, they're actually under massive stress. They just can't can't cope. And, um, and, and they can't help their little neurological brain. And so they're trying to do their best to live as best as they can, but they get a lot of negative feedback understandably you know why didn't you get your shoe why have you got your lunchbox ready why did you forget your assignment you know how many times do I have to tell you why are you so dreamy please wake up and this negativity <clears throat> can escalate and incre- and actually activate the child's anger and opposition and so at the extreme end um, 40% of children who've got ADD and ADHD also have oppositional defined disorder that is the ex- extreme end um, but for average families, uh, uh, parents should actually look and say, you know, is our relationship deteriorating? Is our is my sense of happiness for my child and their happiness deteriorating? Because I just keep on trying to get them to do things which are and I'm able to. So that's the most serious mistake is not to be a collaborative coach, but to be a critical parent. If you're going to begin coaching, and we we are about to talk about how. Do you need to know what it is that underlies whatever issues your child is having? Because there may be different causes. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, there could be lots of causes, but actually you, you want to actually analyze and ask your child, what do you find hard? Now, it could be a cause that you have a very chaotic family and that three of your children cope really well, but this child can't. And so a more structured family would definitely help. Uh, it could be that the child is uh, under stress because relationships aren't very good in the family and they just can't concentrate. 
or it could be that you haven't actually spent time coaching them or giving them a proper infrastructure. Say their bedroom might be totally over with toys and books, etc., and you haven't actually sat down and gone down the track of the Montessori system where you actually design a bedroom from the viewpoint of the child, colored boxes, not too much stuff, etc. So there are a number of issues which cause it, but in the end, it's really how is the child coping and what are the things they find hard and how can you help them with that? That's the key thing. Where do we begin when you've decided you're really going to tackle this? Where do we begin? To begin, the most important thing is to is to actually foster a, a, a deep, uh, loving relationship with the child and to say to them, actually, I'm on your side. I'm... I'm here to help, and I understand it's a little bit hard. So, so if you have had a, a, a history of sort of irritation and annoyance, say to the child, "Shall we make a new start?" You know, and then that will take a while because some children are a little bit gun shy because of all the criticism they've had, and so. But you keep on saying, "Well, maybe I made some mistakes as well." You know, so let's just try again, and then. Try and find a moment when the child is happy and relaxed and just sit down with them and say, well, shall we sit down and, and find out how could we help you? What is difficult? And, and, and many children will tell you what's difficult. So, for example, in the morning, you know, when you're trying to get to school, what, what do you find the hardest? And they might say, I, I can never find where my shoes are. I don't know where they are. And then I panic. I don't know where they are, you know, and then I try and distract myself. So, so. It's, it's setting up a collaborative coaching relationship, seeing yourself as a mentor and a counselor with, who supports the child and then tries to find out what is the issue and how can we help. How do you do that with someone whose the fundamental issue is an, an organisational challenge for them? How do you give them some practical steps to begin to overcome that? Yes, I think what the parent needs to do is to actually have a little list in their mind of what could be happening. I'm going to go through it during the interview, but but actually to to ask the child, shall we? What do you think? And shall we try this? Now, the key thing is that every organised person in life, because a lot of adults have this, a significant number of adults have this. I read an amazing book by a psychiatrist. When he was 63, he realized he had a attention deficit disorder. And that's why he had all these amazing systems to keep himself going. For example, he needed a little card in his top pocket with the next four things he had to do. And he would need to look at that card all the time because he would forget. So um, the, the key thing is that if you're organized, you've got to go back to some kind of base of kind of where am I and where am I going? And and so that is the key thing, that to help the child to realize frequently you've got to return to your inner self or to your whiteboard or to your little desk or to your little diary or to the little card in your top pocket which says the two things I was going to do are this and that. And so it's frequently going back to actually what is the plan? And some children actually learn to do this quite well. For example, um, some systems are a little whiteboard with magnetic shapes and, and little labels, and the child puts them in the right order and then goes back and puts the next shape in the gap where they're supposed to be. Or some children just love returning to their parent because they love actually the nurturing relationship. If you, if you really, if you've got, if you've got it right, the child wants you 
want your love and your support. So if you say, well, what about just do one little thing? What's the next thing you need to do? And keep self-talking. What is the next thing you need to do? And they might say, oh, you know, say you've got to do your homework. What is the first thing you've got to do? Well, I suppose I've got to sit down, you know, but my desk is untidy. You know what I mean? And so they say, but how can we help with that? Shall I help you? Just t- Shall we just tidy the desk together and then forget it for a while? So you're sitting down talking, ex- exploring with the child what will help. And we all love ticking a box when something's done. You're actually practically, in, you're encouraging them to begin to reward themselves and get that feeling of satisfaction when they Abs- do the, the one thing or the two things right. Yeah, absolutely. Some children actually need the support of an adult, so you could actually give them a little card. This is a very effective system which they, they use at schools. It's a little card where the child just says, I'm going to do this and this and this, and they tick it. And then they show the teacher, and the teacher says, wow, that is so good. You made you made such progress. That is to get the reinforcement. But so you, some children can't do this by themselves at all, and they need they need the support of the parent. Uh, sometimes they can tick a box, have a little, have a checklist. Sometimes they're old enough for a diary. And a diary is really great, but people with ADD, they don't consult their diaries. They write their diaries, and then they forget all about them, and they don't consult. So you've got to keep on coaching them. Check your diary, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Stress and avoidance, we all have it. You are beginning to coach them to what? To work through it, and how? The first thing about stress, because uh, what happens, children get very stressed out. And, and very many people who have this condition, even as adults, they give up on trying to follow plans because it just doesn't work for them. They get stressed out. So they just they just do whatever needs to be done and they hope that by the end of the day, all the things are done. And for some adults, they do. Uh, but so often uh, to focus on, to try and control that impulsive mind is very stressful. And the first thing to do is to reflect with the child what it feels like. What does it feel like? You know, what, do, what do you feel like when you say, you know, your mum says you've got to do your homework. What are the feelings you get? And 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 they might say, oh, I feel my my my, my stomach tightens, and I feel I get all kind of my mind goes blank, you know. And 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 then you say, and what do you do then? Oh well, you know, I find something which takes that stress away. So I might start eating a sandwich, and then I forget what I was supposed to do. And so this self-awareness needs to grow, and the parent. Could then so that's the first step that a child becomes aware. You can do mindfulness exercises and just and just become a little bit still and say, okay, my stomach feels feels sore, um, but but my script about trying to run away from it, I don't need to do that. But self awareness is the key, and then coaching them that the best way to reduce the stress is to take the first step. So you keep on saying, what is the first step, and let's just do that. And then break. They're learning to break down the big task. As they are beginning to get the the handle of things, can you begin to help them to plan more, more of the morning, more of the day? Yeah, yeah. You keep on reinforcing. You say, "Well, that was so good. Yesterday you had such a great day." And, and you know, we are designed to to follow positive reinforcement. We are gun shy from negative reinforcement. And so you keep on saying, well, that was really good. This went well, you know. And then you say, well, shall we, uh, this seems to work, that over breakfast we have a little card with two things you need to do. 
and you're doing them. It's really good. Two two things you need to do before we go to school. So um, do you think you could show it, try a third one and see how that works? And then you can say, are you able to write them down or shall we do it together? And, and because the child loves their parent, they love the support and scaffolding, but then once that, that need is met, they love being autonomous. So you coach them with little training wheels, like, like a little kid on a trike. The training wheels are, well, show me how you're getting on. And then, and so frequently you got to say to the child, how is it working for you? And, and come back to me. Proactive coaching, proactive reassurance, proactive launching into sort of in, um, independence is way better than letting them drop off out of the nest, flounder on, on the floor and getting angry with them. When you get to the point that they are getting quite good at the idea of um, planning and ticking things off, what can you do? Can you start to bring in, or should you do this quite early, jobs or activities that they are to build in themselves to their own day rather than have the parent direct all the time? Absolutely. That's a wonderful thing. That's what, like like uh, some really skilled adult and teach, they say two things. Like I remember going to a classroom with a brilliant primary teacher and she had a whiteboard, you know, three things you must do and then a whole list of what you may do. And so your choice. So you can, the, the, the parent can say on the whiteboard or in the diary or little cards um, I know some person who used cards very effectively where they just gave a little, uh, the, the child just one little card. Go and, go and find the vacuum cleaner <laughs> and, and connect it. That's all. And then they come back and give you the card. They say, that's really great, you know, and then give another card. <laughs> uh, uh, but the reinforcement, it is so simple. I know I can do this, you know, go to the sink and scrub it. That's all. And then come back and give, and give you another card. That was really useful. Uh, but the child eventually they become autonomous and they can't start writing lists on whiteboards or on little cards or in diaries. And then you can say, make a business. What would you like to do today? And then you say, also, there are some chores. You know, we'd like you to pick one or two. Children's bedrooms, we could do a whole session on this alone, I imagine, Joseph. But for these children in particular, there is real value in helping them organize their rooms. And what sorts of things can you do to, to support this? Uh, the key is to um, the key is to reduce the whole clutter, and so you you should actually consider putting a whole lot of stuff in temporary boxes, which they're not using now. Like they might have played with it, little dolls, but they want to keep them. They don't want to throw them out, but they they just taking up storage. So the key is to remove all the things that the child at the moment doesn't need, not throw them out, and say, well, let's put them in boxes underneath the bed. The second thing is to have little compartments, so it's easy. And color the pumps. Your socks go in here. Like some children, when they open the drawer, they can't cope with a pile of singlets, socks, underwear, etc. It just confuses them. And so they just grab something, and then in their panic, they, they can't find their underwear, which is hidden underneath the jerseys because they've completely made chaos of it all. And that's because the it's too complex for their minds to visually to prioritize, recognize, and choose. And so you just make it little pop up and socks go in here, underpants goes in there. So they can they don't have to think socks are here, etc. So you make it simple, colored boxes on their eye level, and you ask them, is this working for you? You know, and then if that is working for them, you help them initially to do it together. We will tidy it together. And then you say, Hey, do you think you can just put your Lego away in your box or your clothes or your socks? If they can, if they, if they oh, I don't know, you know, what about just put your socks away in that box? So you make it simple, 
uh, compartmentalized, user-friendly, with lots of clutter gone. What about the balance between routines and freedom and spontaneity? From everything I'm hearing from you, for these children in particular, routines and habits are going to be vital. Do you give them time, opportunities sometimes, though, to to be spontaneous and how? Oh, that's a wonderful question because, really, I don't want to give the impression to the parents that you want to run a concentration camp, you know, because children need to chill out. And so often these children are at their best when there are no routines, no structures and no deadlines. They then become quite creative. And so, yes, you need to say, well, there's only two things to be done, say, uh, when you come back from school and I'll help you. And then between four and five, there's nothing to be done. You do whatever you like. Now, you might have some rules, say, about not too much screen time or whatever. But, yeah, no, chilling out and, and playing and just doing nothing and just following your nose for these children is actually for them it's life. That's how they that's how they want to live their lives. It's another reward, so it's, it's, isn't it? It's teaching it's another reward. get the work done yeah. and you have your freedom. A question yeah. for you, Joseph. Executive function, we have an 11-year-old autistic lad, copes fairly well at school, good grades, but executive function is poor because of this. Discussion on choices meets brick walls. How much is age appropriate and how much is autism? Yeah, well, it's, of course, um, really interesting, and, and, and autism is a very specialised subject, and I hope the parents are part of autism support groups and read a lot of books about it. But actually, it's the same thing. What can a child cope with? And, and many, uh, many people who deal with autistic child, uh, children say that the routines and the choices should be simple, uh, but sometimes it pays you to have, say, three choices so the child doesn't feel backed into a corner. And uh, But I would say to the parents, they need to just reflect what works for this child and coach them um, what actually seems to work the best. And so if the choices are too many, then it's frustration and meltdowns. If the choices are too few, it's, it's perceived as coercion and there's frustration and meltdown. And you just seem to have to get that right. Joseph, thank you very much. We will look forward to part two in the future. Thank you, Joseph Dreesen. Uh, education and parenting consultant. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 